Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Mike Davis, the CEO of the USG Joke. USG Joke. Because that's exactly what they are. Mike. I have no idea who's the CEO of the RNA or who runs that shit, but um, also a joke. What's his name? I'm forgetting. Not Keith Pelly. Ken Tackett, maybe? No, that's no, the rules official a, guy. That's the rules <laughs> official guy. Shit. Slugger White. I don't know. Shout out Slugger White, friend of the pod. But Shout out Slugger. Shout out to Slugger's hat. Mike, weren't yeah. you throwing shade at Slugger earlier in the year? Yeah, because Slugger's a dumbass. Jesus, no. that's so disrespectful. <laughs> hey, look at this. Slugger White disappears from the PGA Tour, and first week he's gone. We already have issues. I mean, we needed Slugger. He was the enforcer. I, I felt Slugger probably was just so disappointed in watching Ken Tackett shit all over his pants on, on Saturday at Torrey Pines. Just I love how they tried to bring Tackett in as like they bring in fucking well, I'm forgetting his name in the NFL. I'm like Gene Col- Steratore. In college, it's like, let's bring in, you know, Ken Tackett to describe. <laughs> but what makes that even funnier is that like Gene Steratore is retired. He can have an objective take on this. He, uh, Ken Tackett still works for the PGA Tour and CBS is, you know, bringing in him like, what the hell do you expect? Do you expect him not to defend the rules official? Like, of course, he's going to be like, oh, they did it well. And of course, it's like the biggest baptism of fire on planet Earth, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, All right. So should we get should we get into our first part here? Let's get into it, Mike. You I read attorney? You were the most hot and bothered by this rule. I don't even know what to describe it, but you were really get, get your panties in a bunch about the distance. <laughs> so yeah. let's start I mean, with your opening take and then we'll react to it. Well, listen, I'm not hot and bothered by it. I, I, I'm happy that the USGA and the RNA have finally decided to grow a set and actually do something about it. Granted, you know, there isn't a super concrete plan in place. They've outlined a couple steps that we'll eventually get into. But it's nice to see that they're actually taking that they're actually taking a stance on it rather than just saying, oh, we're doing some research on it and then not do anything for another year or two. What I was more hot and bothered by was the chat that we were having in our group where Webb Simpson just kind of spewed what I presume to be a load of nonsense and him essentially going to bat for Wally Uline and Titleist. And JT also did the same thing, but let's kind of stick to Webb, especially due to the fact that Webb is our defending champion this week heading into waste management. So Mike, give us Webb's statement in like 20 seconds. What was the gist of his statement? So Webb was saying that, excuse me, that that uh, the rollback is, is a bad idea. What we shouldn't be rolling back equipment. What we should be doing is making more interesting golf courses, making green smaller, firmer, adding more dog legs. Which that was the one that really yeah, that was me. that was a funny little kicker in there. <laughs> more like, dog legs, <laughs> like more dog legs. Like, do you see what happens with dog legs on the PGA Tour every week? All the players just blow past them. Like, did you see the? Did you see the dog leg in um, in Dubai last week? Sergio, Bob McIntyre just blowing it over the corner. Like, that's going to fucking help. When I think long- of dog legs, I think of immediately uh, DJ at the Northern Trust a few years ago, just blowing or, it over the water. Even, like, Augusta, even the 13th at Augusta. 
Like, yeah, I think that was that was just kind of thrown in there, and probably I, regrets I, saying that. I but just here's realized the, that my mic was on mute for like the past minute, and I was trying to say stuff, and I was like, "Why aren't these guys listening?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just ghosting you. That's but, great. Um, uh, and then of course he mentioned the the narrow fairways and the longer rough, which kind of goes back to the point that Chris uh, made in regards to Tory Pines last week and me and Sean just kind of shutting down and I'm just, and we're just like, no, 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 no. Okay. This so is Webb wants solution. longer rough. He wants tighter fairways. He wants more dog legs. He doesn't think the problem <laughs> is in the equipment. He thinks the problem is the core selection. So and I have to say that I 100% agree with Webb. You're, you're not going to fix the problem by dialing back clubs. You're going to fix the problem by going to better courses. So here's the thing. The, Dialing back the clubs in the distance tackles a sustainability issue that impacts all of golf, not just not just the PGA Tour, not just um, not just like the higher levels of the amateur game. You know, it impacts everybody from from the from the meet from the municipal okay. golfer to the um, and to the to a uh, country club player. So that's where that's where it actually is a good thing because you're not going to be spending a ton of money on adding new tee boxes, length, you know, building new greens, just making courses longer, buying more property. I do agree to an extent with Webb saying they need to find better courses. It's the fact that his idea of a better course is, I just believe is inherently wrong. So Mike, I, I don't really understand what your point is here. Cause it, it, and we argued about this for a while last night in the group chat, but Webb didn't mention anything about building longer golf courses. He didn't say anything about that. So the whole sustainability aspect of it, which I believe is a true problem in golf, is not any has nothing to do with what Webb's saying. Webb's saying I think I was wants, more I think I was more bothered by the fact that Webb's idea of actually challenging of challenging the best players in the world isn't actually going to make one an interesting golf product. I'm not interested in seeing guys hack it chop it out of rough, chopping it out of bunkers. Like, and also if we're going to make, we didn't even acknowledge this point in the group chat. If we're going to make greens this tiny and we're going to make it target golf, then guess what? Webb Simpson is going to be the number one player in the world because he is one of the best iron players. It's completely self-serving and nobody called him out for that. Well, I, I think that's kind of interesting. It, it's interesting to look at this holistically with Webb as the example, because Webb He's the only guy in the top 10 in the world that hits it less than 285. He and, hit, I think he's averaging like 290, which is still nothing. Okay. He's tied 141 for distance. Yeah, either way, he he's probably flying the ball 275, 280 consistently. He's not a long guy. He's not a long hitter. If anyone's going to know how to counter distance, it's Webb. So it's interesting to me that he's saying, grow the rough out, make the fairways tighter, because we've seen what that does. We saw we saw winged foot, and it, it yeah. produced a two-horse race between the two longest guys out there. So I think Webb's off the mark on that one. I think what he's saying is more architecturally sound golf courses, which you know is kind of common sense at this point, and making it firmer, right? We've seen what great golf courses can do when they're firm. Yeah. Now, firm and fast is the way you fix it. Yeah, of course. And and that's the problem. Every All the people... Every PGA Tour course, it's bland. Webb didn't say don't play it firm and fast. I never said that he didn't. He didn't say. Don't but play how, firm and fast. you're judging his his take on what on a subject that clearly he is more knowledgeable about. He knows. 
He knows what's going on. It's so the if you fact say that, that he doesn't know course design is is a I'm ridiculous not, statement. I'm just trying to say that his idea of actually combating this problem isn't the way to go about it. It's just going to play more into the hands of the guys who actually have the speed. Well, yes and no. I think that pulling up the wing foot example as like the one and only case. Well, we is see a it every week on the but we see it every week on the PGA tour. Look at last week. I know when Patrick did they play? Reed, um, I know Patrick Reed won last week because that because he scrambled his ass off, but every, okay. everybody else at the top of the leaderboard, they bombed the fuck out of it. Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, Rory was up there, a couple others that I'm missing. It was all long guys. And that's what yeah. you see week in and week out on the PGA Tour. Like, okay, what we're going to see this week at Waste Management is the 18th. That bunker, you know, 10 years ago on the, on the left of 18, that was a big problem. Now – now this week you're going to see pretty much 90% of the 90% of the tour just blow past it. Like it's no problem. It's literally just window dressing at this point. Mike, I disagree about last week. I think last week opened it up more for any type of player to win. Like they got, I don't know, two, three inches of rain probably in the, in the middle of that golf tournament. So when you have the course and it's by no fault of their own, when you have the course that soaked, it's going to play to anyone's favor. Like anyone could have won that golf tournament, but you know, if the fairways happened to be a little tighter at Tory last week and the course happened to play a little firmer, I agree. It would have played into the, the bombers hands. Wait, I want to challenge you on that one. Cause typically the softer it gets, it, it's more rewarding for the long guy. Why, why are you taking the opposite stance or what, what's your reasoning behind that? Not, not because- to say that I disagree or agree inherently. I, I don't think that golf course presents any architectural challenge. So if you hit it in that the rough, I agree with. So if you hit it in the rough, and if you're a shorter hitter, you could still hit five iron into those greens and and stop the ball, or you could land it short, and there there's no trouble in front of those most of those greens. So you could you could play everything short and play for 15 feet of rollout and still be fine with a five iron in your hand. But let's but let's say you have the same same distance. You have a dinker and then a bomber like Bryson. You're going to be much more capable of stopping stopping a ball with a nine iron or a pitching wedge out of thick rough as opposed to a five iron, where some guy's going to just have to chop it out or hack it out, or they're dealing with a knuckleball and can barely hold the green. I agree, but I I don't think that was an issue of the course last week. I think I, I it it just like. That was a normal like if you think about it, everything was equal last week because you know the greens were so soft that anyone could have stopped the ball. It wasn't it wasn't that the rough was so thick and the greens were firm that the shorter hitters couldn't stop it. But I, I think that's besides the point. I don't I don't think that really matters. Can we can we get into the distance report or the whatever the USGA came out with this this new document? I don't right. understand why they're trying to dial back the clubs. The them dialing back the clubs is going to make Bryson have more of an advantage. It's going to give the longer hitters more of an advantage than is. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll necessarily give them more an advantage. I don't think the. I don't think the advantage is widening and or closing. Now, if you, I think it now is. one. Now, one thing I noticed is that they didn't necessarily say whether the golf ball was going to spin more. They just said it wasn't going to go as far. Now, I trust these equipment companies because they're smart enough and their R&D is 
so good that they can create a ball that'll go that little le- little bit less in terms of distance, but still have those numbers of spin that we currently see when we're on a track man or, or like yeah, a foresight you, thing. If you want to have any chance, you know, at making the game more fair and you're only going to touch the golf ball, you can't just make it shorter. You cannot but, make it shorter. You have to make it spin more. Yeah. That's the, and that's the thing. That's why I'm not saying that Chris, you were saying that it would play more into the hands of the bombers. That's why I'm not, I don't necessarily think it will, nor do I think it will hurt the bombers. I think that gap will stay exactly the same. It's just that 320 might be rolled back to 310, 305. I, I think, so I, you know, I didn't read uh, word for word what the USGA said. I read a lot of outside sources and basically like what I came to the conclusion was that all of these changes that they're proposing, which are a max driver length of 46 inches, you know, the shorter flying ball limits on the rebound of the face. So making drivers less elastic. Uh, they also discuss moving the center of the uh, center of gravity on a driver up or making the ball lighter. Any of those changes would provide like crazy different outcomes. You know, some of those like, you know, changing, like limiting the golf ball or limiting the rebound of the face might change driving distance by 30 or 40 yards. No, it's not going to change it that much. Cause here's the thing. No, I don't think it could, but here's the thing. Let's, let's just use rollback of the golf ball as an example. You'll, you'll see a bunch of Joe Schmoes on Twitter who will say, okay, let's roll back the golf ball, but like roll it back 20%. Like, do you, I don't think anybody realizes no, no actually, like how much 20% actually that's is. Twitter like, voices. Doc. Yeah. No one's like, actually saying that like 5% is even is as much as you really should even go. Seven is too much. Yeah. But if you think about, if you think about 5% of what Bryson's hitting it, Bryson's going to lose 25 yards, 20 yards. You know, he's going to lose a significant, a significant amount of yardage. Basically. I think- if, if you roll you it back five to three, you're fine. If you don't roll it back, if you don't roll it back like one or two percent, you're screwed. I think I think it's gonna it's gonna change the game too much. But basically, with all these different proposed changes, it just tells me that the USGA has no fucking clue what they're doing. They're they're literally, I mean, they're just throwing things out there and just saying, yeah, like these are the things we're thinking about. Give us another couple of years to figure it out. Well, that's, and that's been our common complaint about the USGA is that, especially with Mike Davis, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And that's, and hopefully they actually do step up and do the right thing and execute properly. That doesn't mean my confidence or any of our confidence is very high in, in this regime. Yeah. And there was no mention of, of how widespread the changes are going to be. They didn't say, you know, is this, is this just going to be a professional thing? Are the PGA tour players going to have to deal with this? Well, is they this didn't going to be across the board. Like I just, I don't know. I, I think it's a widespread thing. I don't think it's, it's not a bifurcation of the game, a bifurcation of the professional game and the amateur game. Davis explicitly said that I can't remember which article might've been. It might've been in Brentley Bromine's uh, golf channel article. They didn't say that it was explicitly like a bifurcation of the game. And I know Titleist came out with something earlier today. I can't remember exactly what they 
said in full, it was just kind of like some PR, your standard PR statement where they don't exactly say that they're in favor or against it, but uh, you, you presume that, that the manufacturing companies are a little pissed about this. Now, my question is, what is, isn't this like a good opportunity for you guys to like show that you guys have a shiny new toy and that you guys are pushing like the limits of legality and you're coming out with something new, exciting, but also still legal? No, Mike, that's exactly the problem is the USGA in that report said, yeah, we're looking to manufacturers for input. You know, we're looking at them because they understand how clubs work, how balls work. We're looking at them to see how we can dial this back. How the hell does that make any sense? Like those are all the the companies pouring all of their money into R&D, trying to get every last drop of ball speed out of their clubs. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're thrilled to help you dial it back. You know, like that's what they make their money off of. It makes no sense. Like they have absolutely zero interest in doing that. Well, we all know that golf. I agree with PGA Tour to the USGA doesn't isn't exactly great on policing or governing. I mean, we can even go to like the PGA Tour CT testing policy. They're like, oh yeah, you can voluntarily test as to whether your driver has too much spring. Like, who the fuck is going to volunteer for that? Yeah. And and it's just, it's a massive inconvenience to the players too. Like Xander having to get a new driver in the middle of Scotland a couple of years ago, because his driver like was over the ball speed limit by whatever 0.5 miles an hour. That's not on Xander. You, you you need to put more regulations on the equipment companies. They need to everything coming out of their factories. If you care that much needs to be checked as soon as it comes out, because then you're just hurting your players at that point. It's unfair to them. Yeah, and then you're making Xander look like look like a fucking cheat yeah, when he looks literally, like an idiot. Looks like a cheater when literally far more than fifty percent of tour players are playing hot equipment that are pro- that is probably over the line. But when the PGA Tour says, "Oh, you know, you don't necessarily have to get your driver tested," like then who like how the fuck are you going to stamp this problem out? How are you going to regulate it? Especially now that the PGA Tour is trying to get all into the gambling scene, like. This is stuff that you have to regulate. Like you can't have any loose ends. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think they've got, they've got too much going on. Like it, when you bring in that, that stuff, you know, the gambling stuff that they're still trying to figure out, which is extremely complicated. Then you're bringing in all this distance stuff. The tour and the USGA have a lot to figure out in the game right now. And they had a tough week with the gambling scene last week when, when everybody basically got a refund on the read on the read prop bets on the tenth hole when 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 he took that shitty drop. Yeah. Uh, all right. So so Bryson Bryson said today he talked with Todd Lewis. He said the changes are going to help him. He said he said any pretty much anything that the USGA and RNA do is going to help him. Whether that's dialing the golf ball back, dialing the clubs back, making the ball spin more, whatever whatever you want. Bryson says that's going to help him. Is that is that the case? I got a chuckle when he said that he s- spoke directly to the USGA. I'm like, of course he fucking did. Yeah, I, I what t- called up Jason Gore to tell him that. Yeah, called called up the player liaison. You know, speed dialed Mike Davis. What did he, what, what did he do? I don't know. But Bryson's uh, tight with the USGA after uh, after the side saddle putting thing. <laughs> I mean, Mike Davis definitely has him on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. He's a, 
And Bryson, got more I'm going to tell you that this is illegal, but just stop doing it. Yeah, well, you're you're a great champion, Bryson. But goes back to what I said earlier. I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt nor help him. I these guys are good enough ball strikers that let's say they do put more spin on it. Like, I don't think you're going to see somebody's ball striking fall off the face of the planet because they don't know how to control their golf ball. These guys, like, we you can pick out the flushers from the hacks. Yeah. I, I- I think it's going to help him marginally. Like uh, Todd Lewis made a, a pretty simple, but good point. Like if you have a par five, that's five thirty or five forty, like kind of pushing the edge of where a, like a shorter hitter, like a Zach Johnson or I don't, any of the shorter guys, Brendan Todd, you know, those guys are probably maxing out on par fives around five fifty, five sixty. In terms of getting home in two, in terms of getting home in two, if you, if you dial everything back and then leave those golf courses the same, Bryson can still reach all the par fives. And now Zach Johnson and Brendan Todd, you, you know, the short hitters of the world, they can no longer reach a, a good portion of those par fives, which is going to hurt them. Like, it doesn't matter how good your wedge play is. Going for it is inherently better than laying up. And even if you're the best wedge player on, on the PGA Tour, it's still going to hurt you. Can now, I say something? Go for it. I, I thought your mic was on minutes. Mute. Yeah, because yeah. your microphone was on mute. My take is completely different from you guys. I don't get. I don't know what. What are we doing here? Why are we talking about distance? Why aren't Why aren't we letting golf become an athletic sport? Like you say, oh, when you get up to five seventy par fives, like Zach Johnson can't get there in two. He's at a disadvantage. Well, yeah, big big deal. You know, if I'm if I'm five eight, I can't go to the NBA. Like, like to okay. say that athletic ability and physical attributes shouldn't be an advantage is a ridiculous thing to say because but it's guess, a sport and it should wait, be athletic and you should have get, an advantage being strong and tall and big and having more distance. I don't get the point that you're trying to make because if you still roll back, you're you trying still to make roll it back fair the, for everyone. Oh, we have to make it fair for these small guys. Why do but, you have to make it fair for the small guys? But but here's my point. If you still roll back the equipment, guess what? Athleticism is still going to have the same exact advantage as as it does now. So I don't I don't really see what you're trying to say. Well, why? So why are you talking about making it more fair for the shorter player then? I'm not necessarily. It's not an issue about making it fair for the shorter player per se. What the USGA probably did a horrible job in saying is the fact that that it's an unsustainable situation. Why? Why? Because here's the thing. Like I said, pick better courses. I can name 10 courses off the top of my head that in New England that are really tricky, that are really tough, that are firm, fast, and that long players won't have an advantage if you really want to do that. Go pick better courses. It doesn't matter how far they can hit it. They're not going to be able to. It's It's actually a valid argument. Like it actually is. I mean, I think something that's not talked about at all, and this is kind of along the lines of what you're saying, Chris, is what if we just stopped all equipment right here? Like this was the end. No more progress could be made on equipment. All the regulations just stayed right here. You can't make a golf ball that spins any less than the regulations right now. You can't make a driver any hotter than the regulations right now. Because, yeah, in reality, it is only affecting, I don't know, 
a hundred golf courses, maybe 120 golf courses across the world. It's affecting the ones that we see on TV because a little bit longer tours are going to. Yeah, exactly. So that's probably 120 courses. If you count like major venues, European tour courses, web.com courses, PGA tour courses, it's really, it's not that many. But here's the thing. Let's say we go to, because we talked about, um, let's say Aronimink. Aronimink had to do substantial renovations just to host, just to host like the BMW or the Quicken Loans that came out. Like what all that, all the cost, all that renovation gets kicked back down to, gets kicked back down to the membership and they're catering to the 0.00001% of, of golfers. Like that's not fair. Yeah. That's I think not, that- that's not a tenable situation. That's a fair argument. I think there's really two fair points to make to counter that it to counter what Chris is saying. It's that the the cost gets carried down at those, those few golf courses, it gets carried down. And then I don't really, I don't really like this saying, but like, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, we, we have to weigh all skills equally. Like right now driving, you know, if we have a scale, and everything can be rated out of a hundred in importance. Driving right now is at like a hundred. It's at it's, 40. it's really high. And then you have, yeah. or like look at it as a pie chart. Even driving yeah. might be sixty percent. Iron play is forty percent. Putting is thirty percent. Like you know, it's just driving is weighted higher. I know that doesn't equal a hundred percent, but <laughs> well, driving. Di- <laughs> well, Mark point. Brody did his analysis on strokes gained. And concluded that, and I'll pull it up, but he basically concluded that driving was 40% of a player's scoring advantage. And yeah. I think putting was last at like 13%. Yeah, um, makes sense. And it, I mean, it's uh, the way you would think it is, right? I, like, you know, people say drive for drive for show, putt for dough. And it's just, that's not the way it is. Like Here guy, it is. I have the stat. So Mark Brody, who wrote Every Shot Counts, is a great book. He created Strokes Gained. Among the top 40 PGA Tour pros, approach shots counted for 40% of their scoring average, driving 28%, short game 17%, putting 15%. And I I think this book was published five years ago, maybe. And approach shots was 40% of the game. Driving's only 28% of the game. uh, I, I think that's valid. I'd like to see how that's calculated because if you look at the top... 40 players on the PGA tour, they tend to be the longest guys out there. Like most of the top 10 guys in driving distance are in the top 40 in the PGA on the PGA tour. So are they, is that accounting strokes gained based on the distance that you have in, or is that just yeah. approach to the green from 120 yards out? Cause it, it could ex- be weighted differently. Sean, I'm glad you brought up that point. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. Here's the thing. If you're closer to the hole, you're, you're more likely to pounce on the on those iron opportunities and gain more strokes from your approach from your approach play. So no, because those, those play, but strokes, where, but the driving and the iron play no, aren't that's mutually not how exclusive. Strokes gains are calculated. That's not. A, that's like saying do you, if you hit. Do it, you know that though, based yes. on how he calculated this? No, no, yes. no, no. I know strokes gained is calculated like that, but is is this weighing that heavily enough? No, but what I'm saying I'm is asking. is hitting it closer to the hole. Obviously, they're gonna have better iron stats that's that's not how strokes gains calculating that's like saying if you hit it to four feet on every hole you're gonna have better putting stats like no if you make a couple 20 footers your strokes gain putting is going to be higher than if you're making three footers all day so no, it doesn't, I know, 
it's not like that. It's, I know that's how strokes gained works. I'm saying is that how this stat works? Because this isn't this isn't like a strict strokes gain stat, right? Is it? And, and and you don't you don't know how it's calculated. It's what's contrib- so, he's calculating it, contributing to their scoring average. Which you're right. You're at. You're questioning how he determined the proportion. Exactly. Correct. Because okay. that seems that seems like really really high 40 percent as compared to 28 percent. that seems like a yeah. massive difference whereas i mean i'm sure it's gotten i'm sure it's it's swung a little bit um in the last five years or from whenever he published that book but i think it's a little overblown and i think if you go to courses where it's firm and fast and you have some penal miss areas i mean the, the course that they go to are, are a joke they the, the tour what they need to do is get out of this rut of the rotation that they have for courses. It's really annoying that they stick to this rotation now. Cause like when you're not, when you're not beholden to the fact that you have to have fans or you have to have this giant infrastructure to, to house, you know, the swaths of people and corporate hospitality and whatnot, get, get a little fucking adventurous with your course selection. And and also, you can probably swindle some sponsors to go to someplace more in- interesting rather than like, like TPC Southwind. I- I'm sorry, that's like the first example that came to my mind. But the fact like- that they have one tournament in the north in in well, they have the Travelers, but they have one tournament in Massachusetts, and it's at both TPC at TPC Boston. courses, both it's at a TPC courses, and there they're are both. Some- yeah, I mean, they're both at TPC courses, which are I mean, Boston's- and I understand the logistical issue, but. And That's Boston's a like, bigger problem to me. And Boston's like one of the better TPC courses, but like when let's it's just really not. in in terms of Massachusetts, uh, what what is it like the 18th best course, 20th at best? Like I, I would put it, it does like, nothing for me. I would put it that, 40, 20 probably. Yeah, like 20. I mean, it's fine. We've it's all a fine golf course. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's for uh, for a professional tournament. It's just not that difficult. There's so much potential for golf courses and they're they're not they're not choosing to do it well chris like if you think about the top courses in the state in in mass or any state really most of these courses are pretty exclusive private clubs so where you have the clubs paying high cost to you know big time designers like core crenshaw that are known for developing the most the, the fairest tests of golf so if you want fairer tests of golf you're you're gonna have to go to the pine valleys the old sandwiches you know the courses that really have a lot of time and thought put into them because some of these tpc courses they were put up like this they were put up so quick and there was not much thought put into it it's you know how can we how can we host hospitality here how can we that's what i'm saying go to prairie dunes here but sean sean you want to know what the sad thing is they're gonna they're going to look at the scorecard of this plate of these places, you know, like your Essex County clubs, your, your old sandwiches, your, you know, People whatever. Know great, what the you know, are. These are bad no, examples. No. These are bad examples because mass courses are too short. They're not, that, but that's, but, but that's any, the problem I'm trying to say is that they're going to look at the, they're going to look no. at the, um, they're going to, can you let me finish? They're going to, no, the, they're going to no, say, they're not, they're not, they're going to look not. at the scorecard and they're going to be like, Oh, it's too short. Like we can't they're go not here. Too short, the because, I know, but that's the problem. They Marion think it's too short. 800. Marion is 6,800. 2011 U.S. Open. Justin Rose, one over. Champion. I was there. I'm giving those as an example because 
their courses that we all know. There are plenty of courses like that in other states. Go to Marion. Go to Philly Cricket. Mass doesn't have the room for those for to make those courses seventy one hundred yards. And if they were seventy one hundred yards, then they should be hosting a tour event because I do think they're challenging enough. Hell, I think they should still go to them now. Like test different sets of the game. Yeah, you know? I don't think Maybe. you need to be over seven thousand. Yeah, like I mean, Marion was what like bear like just clocked in at 6,900. And I mean, obviously that's sort of a different example because we're talking about one of the 10 best golf courses in America, maybe even planet earth, but the, but we just see the same sort of cookie cutter blueprint for golf courses on the PGA tour that just don't test every facet of the game. And that's what Sean alluded to earlier. It, it waits, it waits certain parts yeah. of your game disproportionately. Go to different but, college courses, you know, Go to NC State's golf course, Lonnie Poole, unbelievable course. Go to Notre Dame's golf course. They had the uh, they had Warren the looks cool there. Warren looks cool. Like I would love to see them go to a place like like Stanford or one of those other great college courses. Like um, I know they have the Corn Ferry event at, at OSU's golf course. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be sweet. Yeah, Mike. So you met you you talked again about about weighting skills equally, like. I think it's a really, it's a really bad thing to say. I, I don't, I don't like when people say that because look at basketball, right? Basketball. Neither gearing, do I. It's gearing more and more towards three, towards three point shooting baseball, more and more towards home runs. All the stats are showing it. It's the evolution of the game and the game of basketball has evolved more towards three point shooting. Baseball has evolved more towards home run hitting and golf has evolved more towards driving distance. But, so, but remember, maybe, none maybe of those. We have to change the way that we think about the game of golf because that's just the way that the sport has evolved. It's the way it is, and football's transition offense heavy. It doesn't matter if you can run the ball. It doesn't matter wait. if you have a. If you, if you, Mike, let me finish my point. Go for it. It's the same way in the NFL. You used to be, oh, we have to have, we have to run, we have to have a strong defense, we have to set up the pass. You know, it's not like that anymore. The pass sets up the run now. Having a strong defense doesn't mean anything when you have Patrick Mahomes, like. It's the it's we have to accept it for what it is. Now, let's. I'm gonna go back to Sean on this one. So you met. So you brought up basketball becoming a little more isolation play, baseball becoming more home run, and golf becoming distance. Now, I want you to kind of get into the shoes of somebody who is viewing this. Maybe you're one of the TV guys. Maybe you're somebody at PGA Tour HQ who's viewing this solely as an entertainment product. I'd argue that none of those three are those three evolutions are necessarily more entertaining. In fact, I think they're actually detrimental. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, For the average, I, I would disagree. I would disagree. Cause I with golf. like, I personally don't get excited with when I see James Harden, you know, playing one-on-one -on -one against somebody or watching the Rays try and, you know, do home run or strikeout. And I honestly don't get really that excited about somebody hitting at 300 yards anymore, because guess what? Pretty much everybody does it. The only yeah, person the that's remotely as exciting is the Bryce. casual fan likes it. Yeah. But when everybody does it, the novelty kind of washes away. Well, maybe we have to rethink. I'm just, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Maybe no, we that's have fair. to rethink totally fair. how long is long. Like, you know, 300 is not long anymore. 350 is long. 350 is the new 300. So why can't we think about it that way, you know? Because we don't have the room for it. That's the problem. And that's why we have to roll it back. But you do have the room for it if you go to more interesting, firmer, faster golf courses. You don't need room. 
You don't. You don't need room. I'm I'm almost convincing myself that this is the right point here. Wait, so so Chris, if you go to these like firmer, faster golf courses, then and you let's say you don't spend the money on yeah, Champ is gonna beat the NFL. Okay, no, no, go. Let, let me finish. Let's say you don't you don't spend the money to lengthen these places on you know lengthen these places. You make them firm and fast. Yeah, and you do, and you don't roll back the equipment. Yeah, you would be more. Would you be more in favor of a golf tournament that essentially takes driver out of play, players' hands? Yes or no? It will take driver out of players' hands. Okay. Yeah, for the most part. And you're and you'd be in favor of that. Sure, if they want to hit driver, they can hit driver, but it may not be the best strategy. Okay. No, no, no. You that just clarifies my point. I'm and I, that was kind of the point that I was looking to hear from you. Yeah. Okay. And you disagree? No, no, no. I actually 100% agree. I just think I I was more annoyed by by what Webb said in his idea of better golf courses, which I inherently disagree with. At least some at least parts of it. I I completely agree with the firmer and faster part. Just I'm, the, but I'm sure the parts Webb of, would be Yeah. Just the Go parts ahead. of, you know, growing up the rough, making it super narrow, making it super tough super small greens like to me that's not interesting architecture and as an entertainment product that's not interesting to me but as a I'm, viewer i'm sure that Webb would be in favor of a short tight firm fast golf course wouldn't you agree oh yeah 100 and that's also what i was calling him out on is you know is the fact that is the fact that his point also just is completely favorable to him he wasn't viewing it in an you know an objective light all right, I, I think we're at a good point to transition here. I agree. Waste management this week. It's kind of it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to be I feel like we're back in the swing of things here. Moving on from the the bullshit of Hawaii. We're done with farmers, you know, it feels like we're in the season now. So Sean, now, last week you said you're early picking Fina to win. Is I that what early, you said? I early picked Fina to win. <laughs> and he's in Saudi. And he's in Saudi. <laughs> He is—he's he my pick to win in Saudi. Uh, the the bone saw invitation. Listen, listen. The bone saw invitational claims another soul. Sad to see you, Mister. Sad to see you go, Mister Finau. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a tough bid. I thought this—I thought this would set up really well for him. Obviously, losing in the playoff last year, but I, do you think Tony? Do you think Tony's too scarred about the events of last year, so he, he just had to flee? I think he got probably a million dollars in appearance Paul fees. Casey. And, Exactly. Oh. I think he's. Ooh, we'll get to Paul Casey later. <laughs> we'll get to Paul Casey now. What are your thoughts on Paul Casey? Uh, he just said the most outrageous thing earlier, just about because obviously he was very adamant and very insistent that he would never go to Saudi, basically saying that it's hypocritical because he because he's uh, partners with UNICEF, and of course he goes. He goes back on that. He's at Saudi this week after after winning last week in Dubai and after getting paid two million dollars to show up. Yeah, is that? But it's the defense and the cover that he had, which is just the best part. He basically said, "I had I had ties with UNICEF and I felt it wasn't right 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 for me to play." However, he says that he quote learned a lot. One of the things I was flat out wrong on was my ties with UNICEF because they're not a political organization. Well, Paul, when you go to when you go to a tournament that 
is led by a regime who chops up and boils uh, journalists in vats of acid, it kind of becomes a little bit political. And then, and I was reminded, if you stay away, don't engage and don't visit, then you're merely hardening the position that does not do you any good. So just contradicting himself left, right, and center. I felt that my, if my participation can assist in the progress of growing the game, that can make one iota of a difference, and then that is something different. Paul, just say that 2.5 million hit your bank account and just call it a day. We won't judge you too much. Yeah, well, yeah. what I don't I don't get why people do judge players for going because of the paycheck. It's like, yeah, who fucking wouldn't play in a golf tournament for two and a half million dollars? It's the look, though. It's the I, I, I it's what but do you here's mean, the, it's the look. Here's the, the this is a common theme the of last look, week. Though. It's, it's the not optics. the look. It's no, not, no, think no about it, Mike. About the optics. Think about I, no one in the golf industry cares that they're playing this tournament. I, I, I don't know any, like, let, let's face it. But golf that's the is problem. not problem. We should be caring about it. Yeah. I mean, I personally think it's a little, it's a little odd. I think it's a little odd. I, I that's a, that's, I would, I'm not saying violently. I wouldn't, I'm not saying I wouldn't play in it. I probably would if I got two and a half million dollars. But most you of the would people, too, Mike. Most no, of I golf, wouldn't. Yeah, you would. Oh my god. You know, yeah, you, you know, you know Mike, me. You know my political stance. Mike, that's that's asinine to say that. It's not that's just a that's just not you're just not telling the truth. The 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 demographic that tends to care about golf doesn't care about what's going on in Saudi Arabia. So they're not gonna remember that Paul Casey played this tournament in 2021. And well, I, he's going to remember that $2.5 million that hit his bank account. I'm just calling out his horrible defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, he, he should have just kind of come out and said it like, hey, you know, they, they paid me. Like, I, I'm going to show up. I, yeah. I mean, I, I much preferred what Phil said last last year when he went to say, where he basically said, yeah, boo fucking who, it's one week. I'm like, yeah. like, at least be brazen about it and just be like, hey, well, guess what? They paid me. And I mean, well, Phil can't really hide it because we all know Phil loves money. Yeah, but do you know why Casey isn't coming out and saying that? Because of the stigma around like, oh, you can't go to a tournament. And also to Casey's the paycheck. Most- yeah, I know. I'm on Casey's also fucking boring. Like we we like to think that these guys are all about doing the best, you know, for entertainment or for the best golf tournament or the best competition, but it's like it's also a job. It's also what they do for a living. And if I was doing it for a living, I'm going where they're giving me the most money. But shouldn't we also hold them to like a little bit of a higher standard? That's it. I'm just playing I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, I, 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 no, I, I think you're, you're kind of, you're playing devil's advocate, but I think this is like, also part of believes this. Yeah. And I think that's totally fair. I, I totally agree. I just think it's, it, this is, this is their guy, like they're making a living doing this. You can't think about, you, you can't think about this as a, a separate endeavor. Like we, we all have jobs. We, we make our money and we think about, like human rights and and everything else when we're not making our money for for these guys this is their way to make money so they, now, they're gonna do it listen i i agree with that to an extent now here's the thing phil mickelson doesn't need 2.5 million dollars of an appearance fee same with dustin johnson same with that's Paul also Casey. fair like now if we that's were like saying about, you don't need ten dollars if it's on the sidewalk well let me finish well you're gonna pick also, up the ten dollars though well yeah, but 
Okay, I, know that that ten, I also know that 10 million didn't come from a fucking regime that chops up journalists and doesn't let women drive and doesn't brutally oppress, brutally oppress people that disagree with them. So, but here's my point is the fact that if we're talking about this, you know, some first year European tour player who, who's strapped for cash, who needs the playing opportunities. Yeah, that's fine. But like, the best players in the world, the Dustin Johnsons, the Paul Casey's, the Tony Finau's, who won't have to, who won't have to worry about money for the rest of their lives, and their families for generations won't have to worry about money for the rest of their lives. We deserve to hold them to a higher standard. That's my point. I I think it's fair to criticize them. I I would I would draw the line there. I think we can criticize them and move on because they're all going to play it. That's that's just the reality. But back to Scottsdale. Uh, we have fans this week. We have fans. We have 8,000 people in attendance. How many? 8,000. 8, it's going to feel gonna... empty. That that seems like a big number. 8,000 is not a lot of people. I mean, that's that's compared to what the 2,000 that were let in at, uh, at the Houston Open at the beginning of the year. And also, just for just for comparison, 700,000 people walked through the, through the gates, I think, in like one day um no not one day but like during the tournament last year yeah there's there's a couple hundred thousand people there every day and yeah i you know it's it's actually nice we'll get we'll get a nice little ceremony on the 18th green it's not going to be dead silence like we've been getting but that's about it like 16 is going to be a joke as much as they're going to talk about 16 being oh it's the stadium hole you know the grandstands are all set up whatever it's going to be a joke this year. I mean, it might as well just be, it might as well be nine at Braeburn. I mean, it's <laughs> just a little pitch and putt par three. You know, it's nice. You want to know what's nice about the the waste management is the fact that since we had that new generation of players come through those new generation of, of superstars, it's more and more of the big names have actually showed up to, to the waste management and not seen it as like some sort of, you know, B-level party site of, of a golf tournament. You know, we have Rory this week. We have Justin Thomas, Jordan Speed. You know, we have draws, and that's and that's become more and more of the case within the past five or so years. Like, Phil and Tiger would shun this event, but now that's not the case, and that's cool to see because this, this is a really fun golf tournament. I think the golf course is fine, but I think we can all agree those last five holes are pretty awesome. It's one of the best finishing stretches on tour. Maybe, 100%. Maybe the best after Sawgrass. Mm. I, another stadium course. The stadium swing goes on. I didn't see who came in the Siwoo field. Floodlights is coming out of the woodworks today. Siwoo should. He's getting ready. He should be pumped up. I, I Honestly, I, I might pick him to win. <laughs> Just, it's a stadium course. It's a stadium course. He elevates. He does elevate. Listen, speaking of firm and fast, do you guys remember? You guys remember the course last year? It was playing tough, especially for especially for this event. It was rock hard. And the ball maybe, was rolling last year. Ball was and, definitely rolling. And maybe that's why Webb wants a firm and fast because he's the defending champ on a firm and fast golf course. Yeah, I mean that, that's fair. What I mean, Webb was he was he was balling last year. I mean, he was. This golf course, honestly, I didn't think really fit him. Like, I, I feel like this is kind of a bomber's golf course, but, you know, so isn't every course and Webb succeeds here. So 
I wouldn't put it past a guy like Webb to go out and win again this week. What are the What do you think are the odds that uh, we have a playoff that bleeds right into the Super Bowl once again? I hope so. It's the best way to start the Super Bowl. <laughs> I miss it. There was a there was a it playoff was that literally chaos went chaos last year. There was a playoff <laughs> a couple of years ago that went into the second quarter. That was terrible. I'm personally rooting for a 72 hole event. I don't want to have to be double screening it during the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Mm, that is. I was I was watching waste management last year. I was at Chris's house and it was Finau versus Webb, and I was rooting hard for Finau. I mean, Finau at that point didn't quite have the name top 10 Tony, top five Tony, but, you know, he'd had the stigma that he hadn't won yet. I was rooting Gosh, hard for him. He should have won that one too. He should have won. Oh, man. I mean, it's uh, just class. Webb kind of chased him down. Webb, no. definitely, Webb definitely chased him down, but he he, he should have won Chris, it in one you, of those playoff holes. Chris, that you was think in it was his a choke? I mean, well, there was I only would, one play. There was only choke one is playoff a strong, stroke Choke is a strong word, but – him standing on the 16th tee yeah i mean it was him, in his hands him didn't he blast it into the into like that, that one tiny fairway bunker on 17 and just couldn't and didn't make a birdie on what's inherently a pretty easy golf hole the the drivable par four yeah he I'm hit a sure really poor second shot he just hit it in the one spot that you couldn't hit it. that's not the water like you can't be doing that. Um, and Webb, I mean, Webb went out and won it too. Like, I, I guess it was a little bit of both. I mean, it was a 50-50, but I, I, Webb was like, what, 500 in his last six or 400 in his last six. I mean, he went out there and he, he made it happen. Listen, I, lo- I like this podcast because there's there's two people that we're always going to slander and that's the USGA and Top 10 Tony. And that is even more true. This I don't week. slander either of them. I mean, uh-huh. we might have a few more on our hit list than that. That might be. That might I have be other people on my hit list. Those are not near the top of my list. Yeah. Hatton. I, I think Tony's only on your hit list, Mike. Well, I mean, I, I know that Tony can be better. Actually, Mike I think somehow hates all the like the nicest players on tour. The guys that the guys that are the nicest guys out there and can't win. Fleetwood, shout out Fleetwood sauce, shout out. Listen, listen, nice guys finish last. That's simply not true. It it last week was was definitely a nice guys finish last week. Yeah, I mean, listen, that cup literally just threw the middle finger right at Victor Hovland. I mean, there's no there's no karma in sports. It's like you can't think about it that way. So yeah, listen, but, I, but I thought asshole. there was karma for a hot second, but. Of course, P. Reed ends up winning by five. He was like f- plus four heading in, heading into the clubhouse after the uh, after the drop gate. Chris, let me put it this way: if if Tony Finau had the cheating allegation that Patrick Reed had, do you think Finau's going out and winning that tournament on Sunday last week? Because I don't. He's. I don't probably, think he handles it. I think probably, I think he's not enough yeah, of an asshole. But not because to do of it. some supernatural thing that's like, oh, nice guys can't win. But that's what I'm saying is I think also the, a assholes, the assholes have a go-getter personality type that probably leads to winning more often than not. It helps. It helps when you hold when you hold the uh, when you hold a volunteer at gunpoint and basically say, "Did it bounce?" It really is, and I don't want to get onto a read conversation, but I do want to say something that we'll is, get onto him later. It's a really big shame that he's such an asshole because. I think he's one of the best competitors of all time. 
he he definitely is and he's a guy that people can could root for that doesn't bomb it that puts exactly. well is an absolute grinder has a filthy short game it, it's fun to watch him and it's a shame that he is such a dickhead like yeah it like, really would be great to watch him if he was a well-liked guy like if he was a normal person like we'd be he'd be like the people's champ he's like he's the golfing definition of a pit bull he completely yeah. scraps it around works his ass off just to put decent score together and you're like holy shit he's like four under par because he's getting up and down from left right and center but he's just such a douche yeah did you see can we talk about did you guys see kessler Corain's instagram where he basically said haters take a sip of this haterade i'm like you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> i don't think you could have typed out a more cliche thing than that also his his profile picture is hilarious it's just him on like a on like a beach chair just sh- no shirt and the and the massive sunnies it's just also like, look like for tally dude for tally commented that was that oh the best God. part I lost so much respect for, for tally vision so just for just for people who don't know the post he what do you think dylan for tally does in his free what time did he does he comment? just sit on he his instagram like, what did yeah. you comment? He was like, let's go or something. Yeah, I was like, let's go. He was or like, something. my man or something like that. I was thinking about Fratelli's Instagram the other day. Do you think his Instagram name is a reference to those like ridiculous oh, fucking glasses be. he wears? Gotta be. It has to be. He says, ha ha, congrats, bro. With the amount of times that he comments on Twitter and Instagram, it's, it's amazing so now. This... now. But it's amazing how this guy doesn't have carpal tunnel. Maybe he's not even running his own account. No, he definitely is. He's it's... responded to me a few times in comment sections, actually. It was more ex- the fact that he's a yeah, bot. That it was more for experimental purposes, just to see if he would respond. Oh man, that's, that's crazy that he responded. I think well, I, how about I think Reed I, responding I to a him. random comment? I mean, can we just? I think this is a perfect segue. Uh, Patrick Reed's attorney came out with a statement today or yesterday saying that he is not behind the, the Twitter account at use golf facts. Now I'm not going to place the blame on Patrick Reed, but if your attorney has to come out and say that you're not behind a burner account, you might be behind a burner. Account. He's probably saying Reed. Yeah. Reed isn't, but Justine is, but like, no normal person is going to have their fucking attorney say that they're not behind a Twitter. Like they're there's a smoking a, gun. There's a smoking gun. They're going for an OJ Simpson level cover up. And you know what? It's, <laughs> it's not going to fool us. It's too obvious. I mean, there's no, there's no glove. Don't fit. You must acquit here. It's, it's obvious. <laughs> you think Pat did Patrick say that he's going to help look for the killer for the, uh, for the person behind the hit the account. Probably. <laughs> He's just fishing around like, uh, I, I'm sorry. I just don't know who it is. Yeah. I just go to sleep right next to her every night. Yeah, exactly. Okay. See. Let's take a deep breath and let's do matchups. Yes. All right. All right. So we got two matchups from each tournament. Uh, one from Saudi or from Saudi and from waste management. First one is from Saudi. We have Tony Finau. Yep, from Saudi. Tony Finau. What did I say? Saudi. Saudi. Same thing. Saudi. Okay, keep going. 
The Bone Saw Classic? Saudi sounds weird. It like when you say it over and over again, it loses its meaning. I will say uh, that course looks sick. Yeah, I mean it does look it does look cool. I, I will give them that, but it's in right Saudi, so I'm never gonna play it. Right on the Red Sea. Never gonna make it there. So we have top five Tony, top ten Tony versus Bryson. I it's gotta be Bryson, right? Even even though he's taking some time off. It... I'm on freeze out. I, I'm also on freeze out. Really? Chris, the way you were talking earlier, you, you made it sound like you thought Bryson was a lock. Why? When did I ever mention Bryson? No, he never no, mentioned you, Bryson. No, you're just like, I think this is pretty easy. And I'm oh, just it's like, the oh, easiest he's decision ever I'm like, made. he's definitely yeah, taking Bryson. No, it is. Finau's playing like the best player in the world right now. Finau was chopping wood on Sunday last week. And still ended <laughs> up with a second place finish. So it's i mean the guy's gonna contend i said it last week i'll say it again he's gonna contend he might but bryson's also gonna contend as well and i trust bryson. maybe not maybe, maybe not maybe, not. maybe, maybe he's not. going through he, some weird fucking equipment he could body he could changes be, yeah who knows he's going but through Fina's his moonwalk his way into a victory for this uh, for all we know this week i mean well that's really the could. problem he's going to have to sleepwalk his way and just like accidentally win and these guys are too good. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm just saying he's going to contend. Yeah. But uh, next matchup is uh, Mr. OJ Simpson, P. Reed versus El Centro, <laughs> Victor Hovland. I mean, this is or also OJ. super easy. And I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to pick Reed. I don't think either contend just because, I mean, listen, from San Diego to Saudi, that's a long trip. Well, I now made the trip too. Yeah, and that's why I'm taking Bryson. Um, so you're fading I, everyone who's traveling. I think jet lag's super overrated. I'm going to... Stick to your horses here, Mike. I'll take fade, Hovland. Fade I'm going to take Hovland. I'm going to take Hovland. I'm also taking Hovland. I think that's, an, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. I think this He's been a, playing so well lately. Yeah, he plays well every week, and this is a bomber's paradise. All right. As simple as that. I'm the only he one. He doesn't kill the ball, but he hits it far. No, he, yeah. But strokes gained wise off the tee, I mean, he's a top 30 guy on tour. Reed's yeah. bottom 30. So that's true. Uh, next one Weber. Weber defending champ versus Rory. Oh. I'm on Rory here. No, I'm, I'm on, on Webb. I'm on Weber here. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think this, it's kind of a horses for courses game here. And uh, Webb just, he likes this place. Webb does okay. like this place. All right. And last but not least, it's the fun one the, the Clash of the Titans. Don't even. I, I was really disrespected by this matchup. No, this <laughs> is a sick one. I'll take credit for this. I did come up with this, but it's a guy on a revenge tour. And a guy looking to start a revenge tour. And the guy on the revenge tour is Hunter Mahan. It's been well documented. <laughs> He's been at this for months. And the guy looking for his revenge tour is Speed. Yep. I mean, he he you guys gave us got a little, your head in the sand. If you think he Mahan gave us a he gave us a little glimpse last week, and of course he lied to us straight up. Hey, Jordan. both former top fives in the world. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that one former true. number. Around the same time period, too. I mean, that was a, long uh, a couple time years ago. before, but yeah, a couple years before. But 
for Mayhan, yeah. it was one shank that that really that really derailed him. A shank really did it, man. I think also the white glasses. Yeah, he was a big white white belt guy too. White belt, white glasses. He would have gone with like, all right, this is this is a, a classic Hunter Mayhan outfit. He's got the, sure H, the HM ping hat, the white glasses, some sort of ridiculous like blank bland yeah, shirt just a with solid a white color, belt blue like a, yep. just a solid blue with a white belt really baggy like snake eyes khakis and black shoes isn't that <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was mayhem if if you took that outfit description out of context i thought i thought we would be describing you sean no I, I am a big fan of snake eyes but uh but you know not not wearing snake eyes pants every day Snake, snake eyes, cargos, and Oakley radars. We love that it. Was, so it was a sick vibe for a while. Are you taking snake eyes here? I'm taking snake eyes. I'm taking them <laughs> in my head. Uh, oh fuck. Um, I'll take Jordan. Uh, I'll I'll blindly put my faith in him once again. At least I'm Hunter's Jordan, made too. some cuts. I mean, you guys can ride we Jordan great all you on want. Thursday. And the farmers. Yeah, and then he shot like seventy nine the second day. I mean, uh, uh, maybe seventy five or something. It's but it to was the point where we're bad. just being really grateful when he has a good round, which One is good super round. dark. Because at least Hunter's making cuts. Like he's piecing it together right now. I, did I share with you the picture Steve of Hunter Mayhan at Tory just wearing the most insane outfit? Nope. He had. Uh, I'll I'll find it later. But he had the mega hater blockers on. That's sick. Like, imagine like his old, imagine his old uh, sunglasses just, just cracked out on steroids. I mean, that's so, respect. That's that's a that's a big time Snake Eyes play. I mean, what what else do you expect from the guy? It's a re- it's a revenge tour look, is what as far as you ask me. It is a revenge tour look. Did he have the all <laughs> blackout lenses? Uh, yes, he did. Can't, I don't think I've ever seen what Hunter Man's eyes look like. He's out for blood, folks. He is at out for what blood. point do we seriously question his status? It's you want to know why it's, it's because, so up in the air. You no, you want to know why it's a it's career money. So he get he gets all these exemptions through the career money list, which is just the most ridiculous thing, That's you know, fair. especially when you well, when you don't when you don't count for inflation, it's a little up in the air. Is that how Jerry Kelly's in the field this week? And Bo Van Pell. Yeah, Which not a big I, not a big fan of the career money thing. Yeah, no. When we're taking spots from you know young guns, like when Zally. Nick Hardy has is Zally in the field? I know I know Nick Hardy had to Monday qualify yeah. once again. Uh Zal Torres is in the field. He finished top ten last week. So yeah. Not I mean that's one of those classic play better moments. Like, you know, if you want to get in the field, play better. I just don't need to watch Jerry Kelly play golf on the PGA tour. Yeah, yeah, but he should be rewarded for his good play. Chris, you should be a fan of Jerry Kelly. Not he's the, 20 years later. he's Jerry Kelly might be the king of the uh, right-hand save. <laughs> Remember that shot Mike, he hit in Hawaii Mike, where he bounced off the rocks? Mike, at least I save mine. Yours is beyond savior. Yeah. Yours just goes dead, <laughs> dead right. Mike, you could use a little bit of the right-hand save. You got the big left shoulder pull going. You've got yes. no save. <laughs> Hey, it's it's improved. It is improving. That's all I can say. Um, I've got okay. the left hand, the left hand save going. It's a pretty elusive maneuver. Sean hold chicken wing. The whole Sean line. hold it off Fitzgerald. 
Just hold it off as long as you can. All right. I'm picks trying to, to get prepared for... Oh, you want to do picks to win? Yeah, picks to win. Let's make a pick for both tournaments. Oof. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. To um, I'm going to pick Finau to win in Saudi. I'm also picking Finau because... And I'm going to pick... That's why I'm saying that. And I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick Rory to win. I How can you not pick Rory? Two uh, guys are going to break their huge winless streak. The guy John Rahm's in the field. That's why. Oh, I forgot John Rahm's in the field. I mean, dude, John Rahm lives like 10 minutes away from this place. Maybe less. And John Rahm's playing some good golf. And he's playing some good golf. I think it's just going to be one of those kind of off weeks. God, John Rahm looks so I think this fucking is one of those goofy situations in those Jordans. Where you just forgot that John Rahm even existed. And now yeah, you're I second did. guessing your, I, I your did. pick. I yeah. did just forget he existed, but I'm going to act like I'm still strong on my pick. Exactly. <laughs> That's what you have uh, to do. You got to stay strong. Uh, okay. So for the Euro Tour, I'm going to pull Sean Fitzgerald and I'm going to pick DJ. He's won, he's won in Saudi before. I hey, it's a sick strategy. And I think he'll do it again. Um, I was thinking about picking Ryan Palmer because he's been playing some insane golf lately. But yeah, he has. He's Sorry, you want to lock in Palmer? No, but he's. Pl- but I checked his uh, previous results at. Uh, Waste I mean, he hasn't won since 2010. <laughs> and also, his best fin- his best finish at the Waste Management is like a is like a T30. So, gosh, I love Ryan Palmer though. I I might have to fade him. I'm I'm gonna pick Decky. This is I don't know why. I'm feeling it. Maybe he can get the putter hot. He's playing I mean, some decent just golf. That's a ridiculous thing to say. He's, but he's playing, some decent, he's playing some decent golf. He's he, going to have to he's going to have to hold out like 6 times to no, win this dude, week. No, dude. He 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 uh he was in the playoff with Ricky a couple years ago. He plays well here. Just a yeah. quick note on Ryan Palmer. I don't know why I thought of this the other day. I was watching a lot of Ryan Palmer this week. I felt like I just he was getting a lot of coverage. He always he, plays well at Tory. <laughs> Yeah, and he's got metronomic tempo. He's got a great golf swing. But, like, when he's coming up out of impact into his finish position, it looks like his head is coming out of a World War II bunker. Like, he's, like, peeking his head up. It's just the weirdest little little head rise he's got going. God, that's it, that's an absurd thing to say. It's a watermark of his swing. I mean, you just you, – you're like, hey, that guy's Ryan Palmer. I don't even need to see his face. <laughs> That's an outrageous. All thing right, to say. Uh, Sean, are you so are you going to pick Palmer to win? The no, I'm not picking Palmer to win. You I already picked pick Rom. Winners, Rom. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, picks to win are in. Um, let's do back asswords. All right. Okay. So, do you want? Are you? I'll start. You, you, I'll start because I know. Well, this do you want me to explain the pick. segment? Do you want yes. me to explain the segment? Yes. yes go on. Okay, the back Asford segment. It's a weekly game in which each podcaster chooses one player for each of the other two podcasters. All right, don't lose me here. So each podcaster <laughs> will have a team of two players that's out of their control. And the team that earns the most cumulative money wins the segment. So basically, you're just trying to pick players that you think will do really shitty that week. I'm giving them to you. I'm giving them to Sean. And best team it's- wins. Yeah, I mean, it's the just one the wrinkle cycle in it is show. once a player has been chosen, they cannot be chosen again. So we have like 58 players that have been chosen so far. They're all off the board. It's become slim pickings. It has become slim pickings. Uh, and I provided a perfect example to that last week. So sorry, guys, I'll do better. 
Yeah, Mike had the mega choke last week. That was the mega choke. I will fully own up to it. I mean, the fact that you didn't know Ricky was picked. Well, Ricky's dark boring. He's boring. I mean, he's kind of a needle. Mm. All right, who's it going to be? Sure. All right. All right. Oh. All right. I'm picking Mr. Waste Management himself, uh, Charlie Hoffman. Guy's been playing Ooh. garbage golf. Like, it really, it's just a tough scene for Charlie. And I actually, I like Charlie. He seems like a good guy. Uh, but I'm going to give him to Mike. The green monster. The green monster. <laughs> Mr. WM. All right. So okay. I'll, I'll go next. I'll give this one to Sean. And this might be the first time I've ever picked someone who's actually won this tournament. I'm going to give you Kyle Stanley. I haven't heard his name. Dude, in ages. Kyle Stanley played well last week. Did he really? Yeah, I think he did. He definitely he had, had the, like a top 40. I saw his name up there. Good amount. He had the mega choke at uh, Tory one year. Where Remember he spun it back into the he water and he it lost back the, in the water. Lost yeah. the yeah. playoff, but he won the next week, he which is He won sick. the next week. It was actually one of the coolest stories. That was I, sick. First of all, I feel like Kyle Stanley is a very NASCAR sounding name. It is and a NASCAR sounding name. It, he honestly, there might be a NASCAR driver named Kyle Stanley, but also, doesn't Kyle Stanley, when you look at him, look better than he is? Like, you're he's, like, yeah, that, that guy is probably a top 50 player in the world. And he's got like a, I don't know, he's got a pretty good swing, but just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, he he looks like one of those players that, is, that should be better than he actually is. I totally understand that. All right, Mike, I'm going to give you Robert Streb. I didn't Bob, Bob Streb like won a couple weeks ago. <laughs> he wanted uh he wanted RSM at Sea Island. And Has explain he been... to me why that means he's gonna play well this week. Didn't he get, pick... Didn't he get picked as well? I feel like he got picked. He has not been picked. So. I don't think so. Okay, I'll take I'll take Streber. All right, Chris, I'm giving you Brian Stewart. Um, I'm pretty sure Stewart's been picked. Yeah, that, that name sounds a little too familiar. Are you sure about that? Has not been picked. Has not wow. been picked. Wow. It was JJ Spawn that I was thinking of. Two completely <laughs> different people. Same builds, both short and fat. Wait, you're giving him to me? Yeah, I'm giving him to you. Who? Brian Stewart. Have you not been listening? Stewie, mate. All right, Mike. I picked for Chris. Uh, no, I picked for Sean. I'm going to give this one to Chris. Uh, Chris, who do you? Yeah, I mean, you have no choice. Chris, uh, I'm going to give you Jamie Lovemark. I don't think he's had a good finish since college. <laughs> Jeez, put him in a body bag. <laughs> Outrageous. Yeah, so um, there you go. Okay. That's fair. That's a fair selection. Um, team I'm looking Lanky. at the board right now, and I think I'm going to have to give you little Scotty Brown. Sean. Scott Scott Brown was going to be my second pick. I was debating between him or Jamie Lovemark, and I chose uh, and I chose and I chose Lovemark. Well, we'll see how they turn I out. I feel like Scott Brown has played well here before, but he also has no chance of playing well this week. So that's a pretty solid pick. <laughs> I feel bad for Scott Brown because I think the most TV coverage he's ever gotten is that in that four play video with Kevin Kisner. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I also feel bad for Scott Brown because he is the same name as a politician. So he's just everyone's going to it's like he's just never going to be known. Like, 
ever. Yeah, or Scott Brown is like it's like cookie cutter politician. Sun King is like also an actor, isn't he? What? Like if you if you type in Sun Kang to Google, the golf Sun Kang the golfer doesn't come up. Oh, I'm really? pretty sure he's a famous yeah. Yeah, that would he's really suck to have a Asia. name to be like a D-list celebrity but have a name of an A-list celebrity. Yeah. That's probably I mean, worst like, case name scenario. Unless you're named like OJ Simpson, then <laughs> <laughs> like what's with you and any OJ's, parents if their last name is simpson Huge they're OJ like let's name oj unless your name is ted bundy or oj simpson you're probably fine unless you, you have jeff the same dahmer in there and, god and imagine jeff, jeff imagine your last name imagine you're like you're about to be webb's new kid and he's just there he's like well, who do i pick homer or oj let's go with oj <laughs> <laughs> man yeah i mean it's it's pretty tough to choke with the names but i mean you've seen people do it somehow people do it well <sighs> i have to say that my neck is killing me and if i don't take these headphones off and go lay in my bed i'm gonna be in a dark place i might jump off <laughs> of it. jesus christ yeah i gotta go to bed all right you guys let's let's edit this podcast uh yeah, big week this edit. week yeah, I said. That's Mr. I JD. Said. Jesus Christ. All righty, guys. I hit a chili dip. It was off the it was off the hosel. I mean Cameron Davis is a joke. Mike, you got any yeah. takes on the e-golf pro tour? You already have iron <laughs> covers. You already look like a giant <laughs> pussy. I don't care. I honestly don't give a shit. He could be six feet under at this point, whoever WD. I didn't watch a single bit of it, but I'm going to chirp at the Fairmont St. Andrews because of the name. Paul Tesori. Paul Tesori, friend of the pod. Neiman, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod, Aunt Betsy. Terrell Haddon, are you kidding me? And there is a raccoon, no joke, like 20 feet away. Florida. Say Florida, I'm hanging. No! You can't say Florida!